Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello, welcome to episode 19 of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Now, in this episode, I'm going to play a little bit of a game with you guys called Reading Your Mind. And this comes from a whole bunch of years of conversations with subcontractors who give me really good reasons, they think, uh, why they don't negotiate terms with their builders or they don't feel like they even have a position to negotiate from. And I want to take you through the mind uh, journey or the decision tree that subcontractors go through when they decide whether or not to sign a builder's contract without reading it or having it reviewed by somebody professionally. Goes a little something like this, guys. Builder sends you the contract and you open it up and you go, wow, that's like 400 pages. I really should read that. It doesn't feel right that I'm not reading this contract. You put it in the drawer, you put it aside and you think, I'll read it before bed or I'll, you know, I'll read it tomorrow. And then when you sit down to read the contract, it's so overwhelming and so full of jargon that you start to feel a little bit silly or stupid or uneducated. Um, And it's frightening. It is a little bit intimidating and you're wondering whether or not it's just you that's a bit silly and you and you you know, too dumb to be able to understand what's in the contract itself. Or you start to think, is this written in such a complicated way that it's designed to confuse me? Why am I so confused about this? I'm actually a business person who's running their own business. I'm a pretty pretty clever person as far as people go. And I still can't get my head around this stuff. Now, at this point, most lawyers will tell you that anyone who can read and write should be able to understand a contract, but it's not the case. Uh, You know, these people are professionally trained. They spend years and years at uni reading this stuff and being taught how to interpret contracts. So any lawyer who tells you that is full of crap as far as I'm concerned. Now, because you feel stupid when you're reading the contract and you're thinking, am I just too dumb to understand this? You start to think, well, I should probably take this to somebody and pay them to do it for me. And that is absolutely a good idea. However, what happens is if you take a contract to a lawyer, they will scrutinise every single clause to the nth degree. They're actually obliged um, from a liability perspective to warn you of all of the risks. And so you turn up to the consultation with the lawyer about what's included in the contract and what you need to know. And it's nearly a two-hour consultation where they go clause by clause by clause through all of the really scary stuff and the worst case scenarios of what could possibly happen. Then the lawyer will typically have a list of departures or changes that the lawyer thinks that you should have negotiated with your builder. Oftentimes the lawyer will uh, recommend that you redraft some clauses. So they might offer and say, look, Don't you worry about trying to explain this to the builder. I can redraft some clauses and you can send it over to your builder and see if they'll accept those amended clauses. 
Now, what inevitably happens, and you're going to be thinking this at the time, is if I send my builder clauses that have been redrafted by a lawyer, the builder is going to flip his lid, think I'm a contractual subby, and give this job to someone else. And so for all of your efforts, you've now spent you know, between one and $4,000 with a lawyer, depending on the size of the contract and the complexity and who the lawyer is uh, and how much they charge per hour. But to read one of those contracts from start to finish and then properly uh, analyze the contents of it can be a 10 hour job for a lawyer for a, quite a large contract to be able to do that and turn it around. So the legal fees alone are a problem for you if you're going to allocate that to every job, you can't tell me that all of your jobs have got a spare, you know, two to three thousand dollars in them just to have somebody read your contract. Now, once you've got your list of departures and you and you you go back to your builder and your builder doesn't want to negotiate with you, you've then paid your lawyer to redraft clauses in a contract or to give you a list of departures and do a contract review and then you might lose the job. So not only have you outlaid money to get the advice from a lawyer, you then have got all of this loss where your estimator has spent time and money estimating the job to begin with. Some people outsource their estimating for measurements and things like that. So you might've paid someone real cash to get you the measurements. And then lo and behold, uh, after all of that time and effort and then keeping resources on standby because you're expecting to be offered a job, you don't get the job after all. So I have seen circumstances where that happens and I wanted to talk to you about it today in this podcast because I want you to understand that I get it. I understand why you guys are in this pickle. You are so financially disincentivized from getting proper legal advice about your contracts and your builder is so unlikely to accept changes that have been drafted by a lawyer in a very formal and controversial context, right from the get-go, it's almost like it's reverse customer service. It's like the opposite of keeping your customer happy. So look, as a subcontractor in, in the Australian construction industry, I can understand why you guys are not reading your contracts. I'm not saying that it's right and that it's the solution for you. I'm just saying that I understand why you're not doing it and I don't think you're stupid, okay? It takes years of training to really understand what is in contracts and let me tell you that even the best of lawyers still end up in court fighting over contract terms and you can have somebody who completely understands the terms of a contract from the outset uh, and negotiates good terms to a contract from the outset and it still ends up in a dispute. And normally the reason that we end up in dispute isn't because of what somebody wrote in the contract to begin with. What is written in the contract is there to guide the parties in how to deal with the circumstances that arise uh, during the construction phase, uh, during your contract delivery period. So disputes don't come from terms in a contract. Disputes come from circumstances and things that go wrong. And then when those things go wrong, we have to fall back on the terms that are in the contract and try to navigate our way out of the dispute in the best position we can. Now, when we get to that point, what is or isn't in the contract 
is very likely to not be in your favour if you didn't negotiate any terms from the outset. So there's two things that you really need to do when you're about to sign a contract. And the first is to get a guide, get somebody to help you. It doesn't have to be a lawyer. Uh, you can you can do contract management training in my subbies toolbox. There is an internal contract review checklist which will guide you through doing an internal contract review, so doing it yourself. Uh, but you can get advice from uh, contract specialists and commercial consultants who are not lawyers. Uh, I myself, I'm a lawyer, but in my commercial consulting business, we don't give legal advice. So we can do a contract review for you. Uh, that tells you what all of the commercial aspects and the logistical factors of delivering the job, the operational uh, implications are, and how you can either administer around those things or how you can have a good bloke conversation with your builder about adjusting those terms in the contract. One of the most uh, frustrating things I think in going and getting advice from a lawyer, legal advice from a lawyer, that is vanilla legal advice. It is not, um, you know, it's not delivered in a way that you can understand commercially what the implications are, particularly from a procedural level. And a good example of that, good example of that could be, say, for example, a termination for convenience clause. Uh, a solicitor is likely to heavily advise you to have that clause crossed out in your contract but you might be the kind of trade that it is never going to be convenient to terminate such as for example a trade that needs to give certification documentation to the building certifier so that the building from an overall certification perspective can be complete um, you might be a lift subcontractor and your the building might actually be designed structurally to accommodate your lift uh, and so once, once say, um, the structural components of the building have been progressed to a certain point, they can't change the type of lift anymore because your lift needs to go in there. Uh, or you might be the kind of subcontractor who gets specified. Uh, and there might be, you might be the only contractor that can actually deliver on that specification. And so you get where I'm going with this. Some of these clauses, if you look at them in isolation to your job context, are deal breakers. Yeah, terminate me for convenience, get stuffed, mate. That is not fair on anyone's view. But if you know that there's no bloody way in hell that you're ever going to be the type of subby that it's convenient to terminate, uh, what I think is a better approach to it is making sure that you get what you need if for some unforeseen circumstance you are terminated. And so a good alternative to that that we typically recommend is that we explain to you, look, if you're terminated before practical completion, you might lose your retention. You should add in there all retentions to be released if terminated for convenience. Uh, and these are the good bloke, everyday Joe things that you can write on your contract in plain English in your messy handwriting, as long as it's legible, and you initial it, and you go back to the builder and you say, look, if you guys wanna keep this clause in the contract, this scary terminate me for convenience clause, fair enough, we get it. Uh, you might be terminated for convenience under the head contract, and so therefore, uh, it might be the case that we're no longer required, 
you need to have an avenue to get out of uh, being contracted to us. We understand that, but we want our attention. And at the very start of the job, when everybody has those conversations, that's your very best chance to get a contracts administrator or a project manager or a commercial manager for a building company to go, you know what, we're never going to terminate you. You're the only one who can do what you do. Unless we get terminated, uh, then you're not being terminated. And so therefore the risk of letting you have that change across the line is so low and you're not behaving in a threatening way. You're coming to me as a good bloke and saying, look, can't really live with this clause. Can we just put this in here and then I'm fine with it? Uh, That's your very best way, I think, to be able to get it over the line. Now, the only way that you're ever going to be able to do that and have those conversations and identify those things in the contract is if you've got a guide, you need a guide to be able to go through the contract from start to finish and identify all of the things that you need to uh, negotiate on. Now, even if you miss this step, guys, even if you miss it at the start where you didn't do a contract review, you don't have a checklist, you don't know what you're looking for, you didn't negotiate any terms, and you know what? Nine out of 10 of you buggers will say to me, Michelle, we have done just fine this far. We've never been burned. Touch wood. Uh, Why would we start with this now? And I'm going to go back to that analogy I talked about in another episode where I don't know if you're aware of this, but the ancient Egyptians, they used to blindfold their horses when they would run them through dangerous situations. Say, for example, when there was a war. So you've got a war horse uh, and they would blindfold the horse and they would run them through the danger. And the thing was, though, they didn't just blindfold the horse, slap it on the ass and make it run for its dear life. The horse had a guide, right? There was a rider who got on the horse and rode the horse through the dangerous situation uh, or into battle. And what happened then was it stopped the horse from being so frightened because the horse could see all of the risk. It stopped the horse from being so frightened that the horse was able to perform as per normal. And when it got into the dangerous situation, the horse had a guide to get the horse back out the other end without being harmed. Now, when you entered into your contract, if you did it when you didn't read it, you had a blindfold on. You just blindly signed your contract. And that means that you chose to close your eyes and ignore the risks instead of identifying all of the risks and making a a decision with all of that information in front of you. No judgments, guys. I've done it myself. I bought a car before. I've signed the contract. I didn't really read it. I just thought I want the car. I realized it's going to be a loan agreement. But you know what? They could have stitched me up for anything at all. Uh, Just so you know, that was before I went to uni and became a lawyer. But I've done it in the past. And some things just get too difficult. Recently, we purchased a block of land off the plan from a developer And there were provisions in that contract that said that I wasn't allowed to have access to the lot to do a survey prior to settlement. And I had a big old Barney with my husband about it saying, we need to be able to have access to do a survey. Otherwise, how on earth do we know that we're not being encroached upon by somebody else's lot or so on and so forth? All the things, right? And my husband said to me, Michelle, the developer's going to have to get the plans lodged anyway. Uh, with the titles office and in order to do that he's going to have to get a final survey so i think the risk is pretty low because we know how these guys build these lots that they have checks and balances that they have to go through 
So it's very unlikely that the uh, whole development would get signed off. The civil contractor would be in a big lot of trouble if there were problems with encroachment across lots. But I needed my husband in that moment to blindfold me to the risks and say, come on, let's do it. We can do this. It's okay. We can take some risk and the reward will outweigh the risk, but we're aware of it now. So if we get into a situation where we think that something's shady, we know what to look for. Now, the second thing you need to do, uh, the first is make sure you've got a guide. The second is make sure you take the blindfold off at some point. Don't just keep running at the risk with the blindfold on for the whole job because what you're essentially doing is you're robbing yourself of the information that you need to make good decisions. And inevitably, at some point, if you're going to have a lifelong career in the construction industry, there are going to be situations in conflict. There might be disputes. There might be misunderstandings and disagreements. And you need to have the commercial awareness to be able to go, hang on a second, my gut's telling me this is going bad. I can tell the builders on the nose or we've done something bad. It's only a matter of time until the builder finds out and then we're going to be in trouble under this contract. You need to know enough about contracting and contract management to be able to protect yourself and preempt that risk and get your belts and braces in place so that you can weather the storm. And so let me tell you what happens when something does go bad and you don't know what's in your contract. I can tell you how this plays out because I see it every day. Typically what happens is you guys will get a letter from your builder or you might get a nasty email from your builder threatening you with some kind of action. It could be delay costs, it could be a back charge, it could be, you know, we're going to terminate your contract, it could be any number of things. And usually what happens is you guys spend a couple of days stressing about it and then you'll look to your contract to see if you can work it out yourself. And that's when you'll have that overwhelming feeling that you would have had the day after the builder signed, uh, sent you the contract and you opened it and you tried to read it yourself. And then you'll start to feel stupid. And then you will go through a process of being really angry and telling you'll come to me at this point and you'll go, this is not fair. And this is the uncomfortable uh, conversation that I want to have with you guys at this point is when you come to me and you tell me that it's unfair that the builder's doing this to you or that you've got these particular terms in your contract, but you didn't read it when you entered into it and you didn't read it and understand it before anything went wrong, I would challenge you in whether or not that's fair. I would say if you're going to be in business, do you think it's unfair or do you think that you maybe just haven't done your due diligence? before you agreed to the terms. When we're in business, it's not like being in school where everybody gets a turn. And now I know there's, our children are about to, one of our daughters is about to start prep and we're hearing the stories about how everyone gets a participation award these days. And when we went to school, there was just like first, second and third. And if you were lucky, there was a fourth. And then they gave you a wooden spoon for last and everyone laughed at you. So. We all just lived in the real world back then. And I know that subcontractors think that you're being hard done by. And look, there's a very big difference between contract terms that you chose not to read and blue collar discrimination and bullying and being treated badly. There's a very big difference between those things. But 
it's on you as a business owner to understand what you're getting yourself into. We're not playing a video game where we just get infinite lives here. This is our business at stake. This is potentially the income for our family that's at stake. And if that's not enough of an incentive for you uh, to acknowledge and take ownership of the risk that you're entering into when you start working for a builder under a really big scary contract, I don't know how else I can convince you that you need to level up. Now, I am the first person to advocate for outsourcing things in your business. I firmly believe that there are things that you should not be doing because it's not worth your time or because you're better at other things. Uh, And to an extent, you can outsource this task. However, what you can't outsource is whether or not you understand what you're getting into and what the what the implications are from an operational level. Now, you as the business owner or a commercial manager or a contracts administrator, you're in a position in that business where you really should get this stuff. This stuff should come naturally to you because you're living day in and day out the requirements of the job from a, from a procedural and from a logistical perspective. So if you read a contract that says uh, that you're not entitled to suspend work unless the builder doesn't give you a payment schedule, but that actually means that the builder can give you a payment schedule that says they're not paying you anything, but you still can't suspend work, even though you're not being paid anything. As a business owner, you should be thinking, well, hang on a second. That means I've still got to work, even though I've not been paid. And so if you know from a cash flow perspective at the outset of the job that that is just not achievable for you, then that should be an unacceptable risk that you take on when you enter into a contract with a builder. Now, look, guys, I could go on and on and on with examples of things that you should be thinking about in your contract reviews. And that is because I have got a 20 page checklist that takes you through every single scenario that you could conceive of from an operational perspective and in conjunction with what the standard terms and conditions are in construction contracts. Now don't flip your lid and tell me that my checklist is going to be longer than your contract itself. What will happen is the first time you use the checklist, you will cross out the things that are not relevant to your business. So because of my background as a builder's CA, I understand how scopes are packaged uh, by Builder CA. And so our checklist is built so that you can take into consideration what's, what's unique about your job and your trade. And then you can filter that information back through your business. So it is not a 20 page checklist of more legal jargon. It is practical, common sense questions that you need to ask yourself about how your contract works and how it's written. And then it allows you to take note of all of the important contract particulars as you go through the review. If this sounds like a resource that you need, you should be having a look inside the Subbies toolbox. If you go to our website, www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au and you click on the tab at the top that says Subbies toolbox, you can actually check out a Subbies toolbox preview on that page. And it will show you a video of all of the resources that are included in the Subbies toolbox. Now, just a disclaimer at the end of this episode, I am not discouraging you from getting legal advice. In fact, I always warn 
my clients that they should get legal advice about uh, the legal aspects and the legal implications of the contracts that they're signing. However, I recognize that some of you, no matter how much I tell you to do it, are just going to do nothing. If your alternatives are get legal advice or do nothing, I don't want you to do nothing. I'm recommending the Subbies Toolbox because it is a great middle ground that is a fusion of the operational and, and com- construction related perspectives uh, that you need to deal with on a day-to-day basis and legal compliance underpinnings. That is the marriage made in heaven that can help you get through life on a day-to-day basis. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies Toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing pipes? Swinging your tools more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter, don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade!